joined by Philip Wright, who is the original drummer and lead singer with the 70s hit band Paper Lace. Welcome, Philip. Nice to be here. Good. Are you well? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So let's talk about how Paper Lace first came about. Yeah, um, initially I joined a band called Music Box, and that was a band based in Derby. Um, and at the time, I, was, uh, I wasn't I was playing in another band. I'd just seen an advert in the paper, um, drummer, singer required, uh, just backing vocals, that sort of thing. Um, and, a, and a friend of mine said, uh, oh, I've seen this band. They're pretty good. Why don't you... Uh, and and I was as I say I was at work, I was an apprentice at the time, um, and this was in what were you doing the, as an apprentice? I was apprentice tool maker. Right. So, what for, sort of tools what, did you make? Well, uh, molding tools and press tools. Anything uh, that uh, could be useful for repairing any musical equipment ever. No. no. <laughs> oh well, never mind. Nothing to do with musical instruments. <laughs> Not and, one. Uh, yeah. So uh, my. Uh, a fellow apprentice, in actual fact, who got a car, because I didn't have a car at that time. Um, he drove me over and I met these guys. We uh, went to a, a top room of a pub where they got all the stuff set up and we did a play together and sang a bit and all the rest of it. And uh, they liked what I did, so I was in the band. And right. uh, in 1969, I came out of my apprenticeship uh, at 21, um, and then I uh, got married and we got a residency, basically, turned professional, got a residency in Rochdale, uh, at one of the Mecca Tiffany's places. Oh, yeah, so and they we, must have been we, quite popular at the time, lots oh, of people absolutely. going out yeah. and dancing yeah. and meeting. Yeah, but it was every, every night of the week. They were oh, wow. amazing and, yeah. and rammed at the weekend. Nice. And uh, in sort of 1970, uh, we morphed into uh, into Paper Lace. Right. Basically, so we, where we, did the we name looking... come from? Like who came up with this name? And Yeah, well, the, the pianist at the time, he said, yeah. um, he said uh, we, 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 let's have a new name and a new start and all the rest of it. We'll come out of Rochdale, you know, sort of all guns blazing and uh, – and get some work and all the rest of it, and uh, because never, it's never in your mind about about making, you know, being a being a terrific success. So that you just were doing it for the fun, really, to begin we, with. We were in a band, you know. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, early twenties. So uh, I um, I. Um, we just came came out of it, and we were looking we were looking in newspapers and things uh, in racing newspapers. Uh, names of horses. When oh, you look right. at names of horses, there's yeah. some great names for bands in there. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there are really. <laughs> but, uh, what a good idea! <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, he looked at uh, he looked at it in a book of things to make, and he said, "Oh, look at this." Uh, just a hobby. We were just flicking through pages and things. And he, he said, things to make this is uh, where you fold a, a piece of paper, tear bits out of it, and when you open it up, it's a doily and it's it's paper lace. And we all sort of looked at one another and said, uh, well, that sounds quite uh, – well, the name sounds all right. 
rolls off the tongue. So uh, that was it. So you thought that summed up your band then, because you're making things, discovering, yeah. creative, yeah. all of those things. Yeah, and then everybody obviously connects it with Nottingham, because that's the lace industry. Oh, the industry, and you're from Nottingham, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Brilliant. And yeah. so... Tell me about Opportunity Knocks then, because this kind of really helped thrust you into success as a hit maker, didn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was very, it was, you know, more, uh, um, well, it was very, it was very influential in what, in what we were going to do. And this was uh, kind um, of like primetime TV talent show, everybody would be tuning in kind of thing. They had a, they had a seven million viewing audience it's not bad is it it's all right (laughs) and at the time well in 1970 we took we took an audition and that was in nottingham yeah and that was at uh, what was what was then the bridgeford hotel on on trent bridge big big building what's it now there's about a thousand people there on this audition day Mm. and uh yeah now it's it's been changed it's 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 just been actually refurbished completely yeah. and it's all major apartments quite okay. okay overlooking the trend and everything it's all very yeah. nice nice yeah and um and uh yeah we did this audition and we knew that um by by the looks on the faces and them saying oh can you do something else so we did another one another one, another one. we did about four or five songs and they said uh, we'd like to have you on the show and we thought, wow, fantastic. Uh, so after Did you go out and celebrate? Well, after six months when we hadn't heard anything, uh, we thought maybe, yeah, <laughs> nothing here. So, uh, Did you so imagine then you'd sort of hear overnight or, you know, something like that, I guess. You yeah. thought, like, this is it. Yeah. And Next then, week we'll be on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And did nobody <laughs> sort of say to you, you, you know, it might take a while before you hear anything or no. maybe you didn't ask, you just... Said nothing. No. No. So, in 1973, we had a letter from from uh, the TV Good old pigeon people. post. <laughs> yeah. Snail mail, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, we want you on the show. And nice. We thought, do we want to be on the we, – we'd, we'd made some records. They'd not done anything. They'd, they'd, but we were into recording, and we were quite a successful band. We were working seven nights a week. And uh, – and we said, do we really need it at this point in our careers? Being really silly about it all, because because we thought then we we harked back to the time when we found out that they got a seven million viewing capacity, and we said, look, this is a no brainer. Yeah, you know, how many how many gigs do you have to do to get <laughs> yeah. through to seven million? <laughs> Could be a so, few years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we went on the show, and that was uh, that was Fantastic. it. We won it three times, I think. So what um, was the experience like on the show? How so? You, were you? Um, how did it kind of work with? Because it was different acts, wasn't it? That that yeah. would go on. But it how was did variety. that work with? Yeah, like a variety of a variety yeah. show kind and of thing. Was Who was the host those, at the time? It was a guy called Huey Green. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Huey. Yeah. <laughs> how did it work with sort of? Did you have? Because I imagine it would all be live because you had the yeah, studio audience. Yeah. And then. How does that work with crossing over, like the changeover to get the axe on, and then can't imagine much of a sound check or anything like that. No, well, they got, they got things sorted. I mean, yeah. prior to letting the audiences in, 
um, they they'd get several microphones sorted out. Yeah. Um, and it, we were probably we were probably the only band on that week. Oh right. So we're the only time the only time good they could set up for us. Yeah. You see, and then yeah. and then they might have a comedian on. They might have mm-hmm. a juggler. Well. Yeah. Sound check for a comedian or a juggler is very simple. <laughs> so, yeah, indeed. Uh, so, so, did you so get we, rehearsal then beforehand? No, not really. No, oh, nothing, nothing wow. like that. No, they just they 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 before the audience came in. I think uh, we 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 got into position oh. and they worked out sort of cameras and this that and the other what was yeah. going to happen. Um, and and basically, basically, you had a a sponsor who sat down with Huey Green. Uh, initially just around a table and uh, he talked about the band and he said how he'd his connection the sponsor was this connection with the band and it, it was actually a, a Labour councillor that uh, it was leader of the Nottingham um, Labour City Council at the time uh, and he was a good friend of mine and uh, he'd been and seen the band and he thought we were great and all the rest of it. So he's, and he was, a, he was a very good orator. He could, he could speak. And, and that's what we wanted. Somebody who could sit down with Huey Green, have a conversation, explain what the band was doing and, and then introduce the band. And this is paper lace. And then you'd do your bit. Uh, and then the audience would clap and they had a, a gizmo, a, like a clock. And there was a guy sitting behind it, and he would wind up this, wind up this clock to to give an indication of the volume of of the clapping. In, <laughs> That's in, hilarious. In, in the studio. <laughs> so wow. today it would be a, a high tech thing. It would oh be, yeah, you'd press a little button, wouldn't you? You choose. Yeah, it would, who you and want it would give you a reading. <laughs> Clapometer. Yeah, Love that it. was it. That's yeah. it. Clapometer, yeah. and. Um, and uh, bec- uh, there was no sort of fiddle with it because he, he was just indicating. Yeah, how, it's just how, like how who the, enjoyed the it the most. Yeah. And it had no bearing, you know, no bearing on on what what would happen next. And what people had to do was put pen to paper and send postal votes in. I see. And so that, and no, then you got voted back on the show again. That way you kept going back yeah, on. That's oh. right. So what was it like, them. like just as it was about to be broadcast and you knew you were, you were just about to be introduced? What was that like, adrenaline-wise? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was live show. I, mean, I had the same feeling later on when we when we were a hit band and we were doing Radio 1 clubs, which were live completely, and they yeah. used to strap two mics together and one would be... A gaffer tape. <laughs> And one would be for inside the hall and the other one would be outside broadcast. But you know that <laughs> everything you said or did was going out there. It was alive. out there. Incredible. And it's, it's re- the realisation of that fact sends, like, gets the adrenaline going <laughs> no end. And because you're um, the, the lead singer, but you're also the drummer, because you don't see that that often, do you, really? It's not your standard lineup with a band. That well, must, not really. I imagine that must be hard to kind of sing and rat-a-tat-tat, I don't know. How do you find that? That must have been something you've always done, but it, it does yeah. have, you know, it's um, difficulties. Yeah, it's, it's difficult when you're, a lot of people find it difficult. When, you, when you're doing a strict time to us and then you've got to sing sort of around that. it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people can't do it because of that. 
yeah. But uh, but but as I say, it's something something really I've always done. Although I didn't start, I didn't actually start singing until oh dear, I was doing backing vocals and all the rest of mm. it, and I didn't really start singing until um, just before I joined the Music Box, which is was in '67. Yeah, and so uh, with your from, from that point. When you kind of set yourself up on the stage, and because you want to be seen, normally yeah. you stick the drums at the back, don't you? You know, the yeah, singers prance right. around at the front. But you know, we we have to see you now. You're important. Yeah, yeah well, that's 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 the setup, and it yeah. is a very different setup yeah. to most bands because yeah. I'm uh, we we've we've got a keyboard player, uh, Dave Majors, and he's the keyboard player in the band at the moment. And then there's is myself. that like a stage name, Majors, because of the keyboard? Oh. No, he's ah. Dave Major. That's his name. Oh. <laughs> Keyboard player. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, he plays other chords, not just making chords. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then we, we're sort of level and right on the front of the stage. Yeah. And then Cliff and Phil, the guitarist, they're, they're in the middle. Mm. Uh, so it's a, diff- it's a different look. Yeah, it is. And it's, it is quite... Um, when people, when the curtain goes up, people see it, and then we come on stage. That it is a bit of a oh, this is different, you know. Yeah. So we, we've got an impact like that anyway. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because yeah. kind of drawn. Then I think you're always drawn to watching drummers anyway. But then to be singing as well, and then having all you know the harmonies with the guitar players, and you know, you Mister Major <laughs> and all that. That's um, yeah, that's a fantastic setup, isn't it? I want it's to talk it. about the um, the hits now and the top of the pop days. All right. So after Opportunity Knocks and you all, you know, you had this hit, um, wasn't it the late Peter Callender's wife who saw you on that, who who knew of the song that might work yeah. for you? Yeah, well, she's uh, Connie, uh, Peter Callender's wife. She uh, she was a fan of, of uh, Opportunity Knocks and she was watching it and she she knew that uh, Mitch and Pete had, had written this song and they got a song ready and they didn't know whether to whether to just give it to a band um that was already established or whether they could use the song to actually launch another band a new band and she looked at us and said uh, have you seen these have you seen these and brought them brought the uh, us to their attention and um and she said look they're young guys you know they've got a great sort of uh they look good, you know. They dress fairly well, and all the rest of it. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you get in touch with their management? And see what see what they're doing, and uh, and they did. Um, and then we went to we went to see Mitch. He lived in Mill Hill at the time, and uh, we went down to his house, introduced ourselves, and all the rest of it. We got on really well. He's a he's a very funny guy. I mean, he's a he's a gag writer. He's an amazing very funny funny bloke and he's he writes jokes for people and all the rest of it as well as um music Song writing yeah I mean, he's the he's the musical side of it and peter calendar god rest his soul he was the uh, he was the lyricist right and uh, and they'd had uh, fortunes loads of, of hits didn't they yeah no, absolutely yeah, yeah. That, i mean they were they were responsible for uh back in the 60s sort of freddie and the dreamers all their hits Jerry and the Pacemakers, all their hits. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the different bands have written for Cliff Richard, Georgie Fame. 
You must have been uh, thrilled that, then to be approached by them. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we were in awe of these people because yeah. they, we, we knew of their success and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, uh, and Mitch got on the piano and he tonked this uh, song out and he said, what do you think? And we were sort of, uh, well, yes, okay. He says, yeah, but there's this. And then uh, he says, that he talked about the whistling bit. And we were, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I'm not, but is that how it starts? And he says, yeah, that's how it starts. And it starts over a, a snare drum, like a marching band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, but other than that, we've got a whole, we've got a whole idea about how to sell the song. You're going to be dressed in union uniforms and you're going to have, we're, we're going to do lots of shoots, out, outdoor shoots with uh, so that so that you get the right publicity and you, you're all going to be in costume and, um, it, and from that day, it was sort of massive, massive sort of effort to get it in, and then it, and then it, it eventually went to number one. Yeah, and that was. Uh, what well, did that, that was, feel like for you when you found out you were at number one? Yeah, well, it was quite amazing. Yeah, and, and you, you imagine all sorts of things. You, you sort of think, well, I'm, a, I'm going to be a millionaire. But I mean, that's number one. You, you're going to make so much money. Hmm. Little did we know. <laughs> but you've been in a band because you love being in a band, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And this was this was, uh, this, was the cherry. this was a cherry. This is a cherry on the top, really. To yeah, that sort of success. that is amazing, isn't it? So, hmm. what was it like playing on top of the pops? Because I have this image that all of the different artists hang out in some sort of TV green room at the back and yep. talk about their experiences of playing, touring, fans, costumes. Is it like that? It's sort of like that. It's a yes. little bit more remote because you, you all had a dressing room. Yep, nice. And you only you went into the into the green room, if you like, because yeah. they all have green rooms, before you went on to the show. Yeah. And it was a whole, it was a complete day. Um, it was on a, a, did it on a Wednesday. Right. And it started at sort of 10 o'clock sharp. And uh, everybody had to get there and you did sort of a rehearsal. Uh, I mean, there was lots of sorting out to do because we used to we used to hire equipment rather than take our own equipment there. We'd, we'd hire equipment in, so you had to check whether everything was right. And then you'd set it all up, the roadies set it all up, whatever. And then, um, and then you'd do a, do a rehearsal, they'd play the track. Uh, and in those days, what happened, we, we used to, they used to play a track and you used to sing live to it. Okay. So right. Oh, so, to... oh, so your vocal was totally live? Yeah. Ah, most, okay. Most of the time. Not, yeah. Not everybody did it, but we, we, we chose to do it. We can do it. We can sing the thing. And I say, well, I'm, I, don't, I never have any problem with my voice. Hmm. No problem. Hmm. You know, and uh, yeah. we can, we can do it live. But there was a, a musicians union man there and uh, at the time I, I, can't, I cannot remember why but you couldn't use you couldn't use the record or uh, the track without the vocal you had to go oh. in on the Wednesday you had to go back go to a studio and re-record the song no. Yeah. Without you, had re- the ra- <laughs> you had to re-record a backing wow. track and bring the tape back to because it was Goodness. all on tape. Bring the tape back to the studio and do it. But everybody knew that you couldn't get a very you couldn't get you wouldn't get very good results. 
because it would be all too rushed. Yeah. You know, what taken what taken maybe a week to record, they expected you to do it in half an hour. Wow, that's so insane. The fiddle, <laughs> the fiddle was that the, the guy and the the musicians union guy. He mm. used to he used to travel around. He used to let him know which studio you were at, and he used to come and see whether you were actually doing it. So you'd all actually be in the studio and you'd be doing something. Then when he went, you'd swap the tape. (laughs) (laughs) Mitch Mitch would uh, just alter, uh, make it it sound a little bit different, but alter uh, a mix of the original record and we'd give that in into the uh, technicians at the studio. (laughs) But everybody used to do it. I mean, it was totally against against yeah. all the rules, <laughs> breaking all the rules. But everybody wow. used to do it, and it was it was oh dear, it was such a laugh. Yeah. And and, and the, I mean, what you were saying about all everybody chatting together in the green room and all the rest of it, there was a lot of that camaraderie there because everybody that was on top of the pops, you were all at the same stage. Yeah, you, there was no just to be supportive and just great fun. Nothing no. to prove, you know. No. I mean, well, I... Uh, they, you're at the number one spot. Maybe they wanted to be at the number one spot, but... Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we, I mean, we we were on. I mean, when we were at number one, Queen were at number six. Oh, gosh, you see, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they, 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 uh, their first single was Seven Seas of Rye in 74. And... Um, um, I had the pleasure of meeting Brian May some years later. And uh, a guy that uh, a guy that was in the band, um, well, one one sort of lineup of the band, um, a fellow called Jamie Moses. He uh, he played with the Brian May Band and Queen, um, and I went to see them on one particular occasion. And he got me, uh, he put me on the guest list, and he said, uh, you know, come back and meet Brian and all the guys, you know, and all the rest of it. So I went and met Brian May. And I said, uh, this isn't the first time that I've met you, actually. I said, uh, we met in 1974 on top of the Pops. And I said, uh, we were on there with the Wombles and Shawaddy Waddy and uh, several other people. And Brian May said, uh, stop. He said, don't don't say any more. He says, I'm starting to remember it all. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Nice guy. Very Really nice guy. But (laughs) there was... I, I, we we sat around talking, and we were very quite friendly with Shwadi uh, Wadi because they were they're from Leicester. And we were talking, saying, and uh, one of the drummers in Shwadi Wadi said to me, he said, uh, "Have you met these when when Queen were going through their their bit?" He says, "Have you met these? Have you spoken to them at all?" I said, "No." I said, "You, you really you can't get near them because uh, they, they've got an entourage that sort of protects them and all the rest of it. You couldn't actually talk to uh, any of them." Um, and he said, he said, you know, he said, they've not, certainly not got the right attitude. He says, you know, you've got to get on with people. And if you don't have that attitude, you're not going to be in this business for very long. <laughs> Those <laughs> things you say. You know, yeah. Great Sorry. advice. <laughs> um, let's talk about your other number one hit. This was number one in America. Now, yeah. How difficult it must be to get a number one hit in America. So, um, yeah, that was huge, wasn't it? The night Chicago died. So, what do you think made this such a success in the US? 
Well, they, yeah, I mean, I, di- I didn't know until some years later that um, that their first first line troops, the sort of uh, fire service, police, and uh, ambulance, service, like first responders, first responders were big supporters of the night Chicago died because. Contrary to sort of popular belief, it's not about Al Capone. It's it's about a cop and his family, and uh, you know he's going he's going out and he's it's the the troubles that he has to deal with, the things he has to deal with, and then come home to his family, and um, and uh, yeah, the song tells the story of him going out one night, coming home, and uh, a lot of police were killed, but he's. He's come home to his family, you see, and and that hit a chord with the the, the first line emergency services. And in actual fact, just after nine eleven, the night Chicago dad had a resurgence. It, it became popular again. Wow! And yeah. it is a popular. It is a yeah. popular record over there. Yeah. Um, and I, I I do answer lots of questions from the states. Lots of different people, sort of write and uh, email and uh, comment on YouTube and stuff like that. And I always answer questions, any, anything they want to know. And um, it is quite amazing that they, they, they still, you know, remember it because they, they didn't realise that we were a bit Brit band. They thought yeah. we were Americans. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, oh. but, yeah, it hit me how big it was, uh, well, because it only reached it reached number three in uh, in the UK, mm. and but we still did the top of the pops. We were on top of the pops probably fifteen twenty times during nineteen seventy four, and um, and we uh, we did the night Chicago died, and uh, somebody who I had admired like really uh, to an nth degree was Elton John. Oh yeah. And he was he was on I think I'm not quite sure I think it was it was either your song or Daniel one of can't remember which um, that he was actually promoting at the time but uh, on one occasion he I could see him coming over and he was coming up to me and I thought oh great what's uh, this is Elton John <laughs> and he came up and he put his hand out and said uh, put his hand out shook my hand and said. Uh, Absolutely fantastic! Congratulations on your num- number one in America because he was big, really big in America, and mm. he was trying to get you know sort of number one in in the UK at the yeah. time. Very difficult. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he's he's always been an advocate of uh, you know young musicians and all the rest of it and helping yeah. people. I mean, he's he's doing something at the moment, in actual fact, about the uh, the music industry and the the state it's in because of uh, because of COVID. All the rest of it. it is in a terrible state, isn't it? Because I guess you you used to touring all the time, like still now yeah. with the original seventies paper lace band, and and that's yeah. all stopped, hasn't it? But yeah. how brilliant now that you've just released a new single. Yeah, so that's tell me about this. So this is a, an updated version of Manfred Mann song. Well, the actual fact is, we uh, Manfred Mann had the hit in uh, '69, mm-hmm. and um. um Prior to that, prior to us meeting Mitch Moore and Peter Gallagher, who are the writers of the song, yeah. <laughs> in actual fact, yeah, how's that for interesting? Yeah. Um, in in 1973, we released 
uh, Ragamuffin Man. So we we had that as one of our singles. It was about the it was about the third attempt to to sort of get a hit, but it flopped completely. It didn't get airplay. It didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. And um, and now people say, oh, they've done a cover of Manfred Mann's version. But all we've done is re rearranged our version. Really, yeah, that's sure. how we looked at it. Yeah. That's how we Great. looked at it. <laughs> and, uh, and we've been getting some really good uh, really good reports about it. Yes, fab sounds great, doesn't it? It looks oh. like you must have had fun recording it then. How did you record it in these conditions? Well, we we did it just before lockdown. Great. Um, we did a lot of um, – we, we, we decided that uh, we, we'd look at the act and look at the set and uh, everything that we do is either a single or an album track by Paper Lace and we do a, an hour plus generally as a set. Yeah, yeah. And, um, we decided that you perform these songs over and over again, and and you tend to stray away from the original sort of sound of it. And people sometimes people are disappointed. I've been to bands where they they sing the song, but it doesn't sound like the original. Hmm. And there's certain things that you have to include. Yeah, I know what you to, mean. To, yeah, to, to actually strike a yeah. strike a tune with the audience, you know, and, and they then they say, "Oh, it's fantastic!" It sounds just like the record, uh, all the rest of it, and that's yeah. what you try to achieve. So we decided to go over everything, and and in some of the cases, we 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 did about four or five re-recordings of of songs that we were on an album or single, and uh, and Ragamuffin Man was one of them. Um, uh, and that's how it turned out, and, and and we were quite amazed at it. We did it old school recording, um, oh. where where most of us were in the studio. I think we did a bass, drums, and uh, and a, a guitar, sort of all at the same time, and then we put bits on, and then we did the vocals. Wow, great! But it was yeah. sort of it was sort of old school, yeah. Yeah, not still on an old tape machine, though, not that old school. No. <laughs> no. Um, so what's next for you, then? You're continuing to do some more recordings? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Phil uh, Phil Hendricks, the guitarist, he's he's been at home recording and doing bits, and we've been passing tracks backwards and forwards via the right. internet. And yeah. uh, he's, he's actually produced his own album. Mm, I so know. He's got, yeah, he's radio calling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Great yeah. album. It's Absolutely. fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, there's there yeah. isn't a song that you don't like on it. No, it's, I know. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's really is good. Yeah. So, and he's, he's a he's a really big friend of mine. Um, in fact, the story when he when he joined the band, um, Cliff and myself uh, in fall, about, about two thousand and nine, we decided to sort of regroup. And, yeah. and look at what we're doing and, and relaunch the band, if you like. Yeah. And uh, and I said, we've got to find a guitarist from somewhere, you know, and all the rest of it. And I, at that time, Phil was doing um, Phil was doing the uh, – because it, it as a sort of – not spare time thing, but as a uh, another string to his bow, if you like, he does um, sleeve notes for CDs. And he was doing – Sleeve notes for uh, two albums that that I didn't I didn't know, but they were going to be re-released on CD. And uh, he was doing he was doing the sleeve notes, and he rang me up and said, um, 
and I didn't know him then, and he rang me up and said, uh, do you mind if I give you a call uh, from time to time? Because I, I've looked at some of the sleeve notes on your albums, and there's a lot of con conflicting sort of information there, and I, I'm determined to get it right. So uh, <coughs> can I ring you up and sort of check on everything? I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, don't no problem. And at that time, there was oh, I wasn't on Facebook or anything like that, but I joined Facebook soon after. And it's like everybody that you've been in contact with gets a friend request or a sort of automatic friend request. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. uh, and he said, uh, and he got in touch. And he says, oh, I see you've, you're on Facebook and all the rest of it. He says, what are you doing now? And I said, oh, I'm putting a band together. Um, I'm looking for a guitarist. And he said, oh, I, do, I play guitar a bit. And um, I said, oh, do you? He says, I, I said, do you sing as well? He says, yeah, yeah, sing, sing. He says, I could... Uh, yeah, I'm sure I could fit in. I said, I, he said, I like your music and all the rest of it. So I said, well, we ought to meet up just to get the feel of each other. And he lives, whoa, about two and a half hours away in uh, Lincolnshire. And um, I said, uh, what about meeting halfway? So we met in Grantham in a, in a coffee bar yeah. in Grantham. And we sat down and we were there. For, we had about 10 cups of coffee and we were – talking over about three hours. And at the end of the meeting, I said, well, I don't know about you. I don't know what you feel about me. I said, but uh, you you seem to me the perfect guy, you know, absolutely. And uh, he said, oh, okay then. I said, look, I'll, we'll keep in touch and I'll, I'll bring up a rehearsal room in Nottingham. You can come over and we'll, and, you know, I said, just swat up on, on what we do and yeah. these are the keys and all the rest of it. And, uh, I told uh, I told Cliff, it was it was the other original member. Um, he's the bass player, and uh, I said I found the guitarist, and he said, "Oh, great, that's that's really good." He said, um, "I said he's just the person. I said you're going to love him. He's a, he's a really nice bloke." And, he, and Cliff said, uh, "What does he play like?" And I said, I haven't got the foggiest idea. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. I said, but he's, he got on. he's coming to a rehearsal. And Cliff was like, he looked at me strangely. And I said, look, I'm giving him the job. Oh, <laughs> he's I in the that. band. And I don't know what he's done. When we met up, we went to, we had hired this uh, rehearsal studio in Nottingham. And uh, we played through a few songs. And Cliff said, well, you were right about this. He's, he's amazing, isn't he? I said, yeah, he's amazing. You just and knew we, it. <laughs> and we, we started singing some harmonies. Just, just and, uh, and the guy who owned the studio, uh, uh, the rehearsal rooms, he, he, there was a mic there's a microphone in all his rehearsal rooms. So he, he listens in occasionally to see what's going on. And uh, he, he came, came in the uh, – he says, can I interrupt? And he, I said, uh, yeah, yeah, what's – he says, the vocal harmonies sound amazing. He says, how long have you been together? And I said, uh, about quarter past nine this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, that was it. It was just amazing from that you, point. Your vocal, you're absolutely right. They do blend so well. And it's getting that, it's that kind of magic, isn't it? You've yeah, got to get that you know right. When something, you yeah. know when something's right. It, is, yeah. it just hits you and all you do is laugh about it because it's, it is quite invigorating. Yeah. yeah. And and it's really important as well, in a working band, I should imagine, to have that that kind of camaraderie as well. You've got to gel as humans, haven't you? You've got to 
kind of feel you know each other's personality and soul and and just know that you're on the same page yeah you don't want any banned politics do you no 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 i mean we're 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 all uh i mean we later found found dave uh the keyboard player and he's 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 a songwriter as well he writes amazing songs and uh just doesn't know how to get things out there he's he's been doing it he's been he's got a absolutely a mountain of songs and they're all very memorable and a uh, little bit more maybe a little bit more involved maybe a little bit too involved but but, but they are superb songs he's a great musician and um and we we you know we've been we did oh, before lockdown i think we did about 20 20 25 gigs in in uh 2019, 2020. Wow. Uh, well, 2019, prior to lockdown. And, yeah. Uh, and it was all looking very good for 2020. Were and they then, the sort of like 70s revival nights, that kind of thing? or Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, playing with other bands as well on the bill. Yeah, on a bill with, uh, yeah, yeah we played with no end of people, Rubettes, all, all people from, from that, that sort of era. era. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it must be really difficult now, as it is for all musicians and crew oh. members, to have that taken away from you because there's nothing quite like performing live, is there? No, I mean it is. We're, we're, we, I think I speak for speak for all musicians. It, it's a bit like we're a forgotten army completely because there's been, apart from you know uh, working as a, uh, a, a sort of sole trader. <laughs> and trying to inch things and and get get money from the government, whatever. But they certainly have uh, left most musicians high and dry. Yeah, I mean, I know lots of my uh, uh, lots of chaps who who I have toured with uh, have gone back and, and and have got sort of proper jobs, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Doing, doing something else to, just to survive, just to get and by. Get over it, yeah. Now let's hope it's not too long before things can start to go back again yeah. and we can, because I can't imagine it being in the same way to begin with, with live music, you know, no, I don't, anytime I don't soon people, yeah. having hundreds of people in a room, um, you know, all sweating and, and chanting together. I just can't see that happening this no. year. Don't it's know. against all the rules, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? Just, yeah. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? We all yeah. miss it. Oh, crikey, we do. But oh, yeah, and you know, and it's that, it's hard, isn't it? It's tough. And as you say, musicians have had to go and, um, you know, just find any form of work to get by. But the thing that I think is the most sad is that when you're an artist and when you're a performer, it's that side of that passion that you kind of just have to do it, don't you, for your yeah. art. It's something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like you said, you know, you, you, you're not in it for the money. Yes, you've had these amazing hits and, you know, what a fantastic career. But the idea of being in a band, that was what it was about. You just wanted to play music. Yeah, the drug is uh, is the instant appraisal of what you do. So it's yeah. an audience going, oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there's not, you feel I, don't know of any, I don't know of any other... Uh, form of art where you where you get an instant appraisal of what you've done mm. and it's a performance by somebody gets an instant applause yeah. or not at the end of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> whereas if, if you're a painter you've got paints you've got to put in an exhibition yeah it, it's a while yes it takes time appreciates what you've actually done yeah yeah, yeah it's very difficult yeah and, and um yeah i mean just it, it's it's 
it's very frustrating. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people that are doing uh, sort of from their homes are doing little performances yes yeah a lot of live streams happening that is good to see obviously you you don't have that feeling back do you you're not you haven't got that them and us that audience um, reaction imagine that there's someone yeah you've got to just talk to nobody but you know that there are people listening um you know and it's giving them joy and i think that's a good way of still trying to um perform and you know just keep it alive as best you can but when things do open up again as we want them to be um what is next for you as a band are you still going to be doing these sort of 70s revival type tours or or are you going off on tour somewhere you know what what are your plans for the future yeah well we've got quite a few things that we've got we've got something happening um heaven knows when but uh mm. something happening in the states and Great. Uh, we 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 toured we toured australia in 2017 mm-hmm. And we've been asked to go back there. Nice. And uh, and also we've got in twenty two we've got uh, a trip to Canada. Um, that's in the book at the moment. Um, so I guess so these it, things just sort of have to keep being postponed and put back yeah, to sort of the whenever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you must and still I, have like a massive loyal fan base who you know people keep wanting to come out and see what you're up to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I hear from them on a daily basis, basically. I mean, uh, the, a lot of the uh, a lot of the remarks and comments about the single, I uh, stuck it on Facebook and I stuck a little bit of a, uh, a promo video with it. Yeah. And, um, and, and everybody said, oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's can't wait, you know. And yeah. That must feel good as well, because yeah. you know you're doing the right thing. You know, people are just waiting to see you play again. Yeah, and if you post, we, you know, I post. We we got a lot of a uh, lot of video stuff from the Australian tour, and I've been chopping that up and sticking it on in bits just to oh, give people a, yeah, uh, you know, a taste of what it yeah. was like, you yeah. know, a year ago, you know, two years ago, whatever. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the space of time that uh, that's that's happened between performing, you know, your last gig and and the next one is, and you still don't know really whether whether there's going to be anything happening at the end of this year. No. I mean, I, I have not to be too down, but I don't think things, certainly in the entertainment business, are ever going to be the same again. No, that's the danger, be, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's okay. It's okay. Artists sort of saying, well, it's okay. We're on stage. You know, you could put a, you could put a screen in front, whatever, clear screen, you can do anything. How's you know, that going to work? Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's going to get a bit steamy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the thing is, it, it's it's an audience which which are very much an integral part of your performance. Indeed, an they are. Having, having the confidence to come into a small space, yeah. if you like, a theatre yeah. you know, or, or a hall. Yeah. Um, and it's you know and how would they manage that are they going to make people sit you know two meters apart no one can have any interaction with anyone else yeah yeah no singing allowed yeah it does it yeah it does make you wonder when we're going to you know get that feeling yeah yeah, of a proper live gig I know they've Very done different. a few things. They've tried with um, bringing in cars, haven't they, into these yeah. fields and, and doing it like it's that. And having driving. a little car. So, yeah, the little drive-in performances. But yeah. that's got to feel weird if you're the actual artist. Yeah. Because, you know, 
where's that energy? Where's the spirit? All you, all you can do is all you can do is beat your horn. Beat your horn, yeah. Put your indicator on or whatever for flashing lights. But it, yeah. yeah, it can't be the same. Uh, so I guess for now, then you're going to keep on recording. Yeah, I, I will be. I will be do singing that. and drumming yeah. as long as I can. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, you must. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got my, kit, my kit's set up permanently. I, is it? But the thing is, the only reason I haven't, uh, the only reason I haven't done any performances from home is nobody wants to hear a drummer. <laughs> drumming and singing it sounds like somebody trying to make a shed well <laughs> oh you are a tool maker <laughs> so that might be what we think you're doing you're making your yes. shed and um, philip it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you thank you so much for joining me best of luck with everything with with ragamuffin man it sounds awesome you know it's getting loads of airplay so that's gonna do great i'm sure and with all your new recordings and yep. all your future shows whenever wherever that may be but it's i've really enjoyed talking to you today thank you so much, so much. yeah thanks for having me on. <laughs> thank, thank you, you.